this week on Dig Me Out. Your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we're back with another one of our patron polls. This is when we let our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash dig me out. We give them four albums from 20 years ago and we let them vote and pick the record that we're going to review. Want to, by the way, say welcome to two new pledgers, Kenny Wilson. And Adam Dowell, Jay, we know Adam. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Hey, Adam, welcome to the party. Welcome. Both joined us at the $1 level, and they'll be voting, Jay, in our next poll, which yes. is, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. It's going to be a little bit different, but we got uh, four albums up, and one of them was the clear winner, Jay. We didn't have a tie this time. It was a, it was a nice, clean victory, no... Uh, no bots, no yes. decisive. No, it was decisive. So I'm going to go backwards to, to four to one. Fourth place was let it ride by shed seven. Third place was slowly going the way of the Buffalo by MXPX. I was rooting for that one. Cause it has a Buffalo in the title. Second place was life won't wait by rancid. And then the first place winner winner from June of 1998 monkey by the Jesus and Mary Chain, Jay. So, are you familiar with the Jesus and Mary Chain? I am. I think more more like from you and other friends than firsthand. So more secondhand, I think. Gotcha. I'm actually a pretty big fan. I'm not gonna lie. I have a weird relationship with the band in terms of like I, I like the albums that most people don't like. The critically acclaimed albums are not the ones that I'm like. Oh, that's cool. I, I like the ones that are like, uh, well, we'll get into it, but they're not the beloved ones. Let's put it that way. Um, but we had a lot of commentary on this record, Jay. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to read some of the comments now and throughout the show regarding the uh, the winner of Monkey by Jesus and Mary Chain. Ian Wobble, who just joined us, he said, Jesus and Mary Chain over everyone else. He He predicted that correctly. Keith Sawyer said, should we torture Tim with an almost 70-minute album? I think we should. <laughs> you bastard. Monkey You're torturing a, me, too. Yeah, it's, this, is, this is not just me alone. We both go down with this ship. Uh, mm. He says, Monkey is another LP where the story behind it is probably more interesting than anything on the record. Virtually Unreal does a decent job of recapturing old glory, though much of this record feels a little underfed. They will take that instead of an of overproduced every time. Steven Musinski says when it comes to Jesus and Mary Chain, I'm a casual fan at fast, best, but only due to the fact that I simply haven't put in the time. But knowing what I do, they'll make for the best conversation these four choices, and they certainly deserve their spot in the Dig Me Out canon. I've listened to Monkey twice now, and there's definitely some standout songs to be talked about, including the bookends of this album, plus an interesting Hope Sandoval appearance. I hope this one wins. It did! Um, Jim Lazowski says I actually discovered Jesus Mary Chain when they released the single that featured Hope Sandoval on vocals but I believe that was on a different record you are correct sir 
That was the record before this called Stoned and Dethroned. He says, still I'm a modest fan of the band, only really going back to their recordings like Psycho Candy after seeing Lost in Translation in the theater. Curious to revisit this record in addition to hearing what you have to say about the band in general. Um, Gavin, our old friend from Australia, says, I don't usually just vote for my favorite of the albums, but I love Life Won't Wait. That set him off to listen to the Jesus and Mary chain. I've never heard that album, only their older stuff. Interesting. Uh, Johnny Hooper said, Monkey See, Monkey Do. Got to go with the Reed Brothers here. Such an important band to the foundation of alternative rock and such an overlooked record due to their label woes and the musical climate at the time. And then Scott Witt was the only one who said, I choose Shed 7 because I have no idea who they are. <laughs> Scott, that is a bold pronouncement. That's ex- That was exactly the reason I voted for it, too. There you go. <laughs> it's uh, like, I have no idea what this is. One of a billion Britpop bands. Okay. So I decided to go with four bands this time. Last For May, we went with four artists instead of bands. So I went with no, no lone artists for this group of four. So just a brief history, because you know, the Jesus and Mary Chain are very well known. They formed in 1983 in East Kilbride, Scotland. Um, they're the Reed brothers, Jim and William. Uh, they basically are the band. They've had, I think, something like 20 other members of the band, including Bobby Gillespie was the drummer from 1984 to 1986. Uh, and then he was the guy who started Primal Scream. So he went on to do other things. Jim Reed is the primary vocalist, and he plays guitar. William Reed is the primary guitar player, but he does do some singing. And then they've had... Like they just had a ton of different drummers, bassists, and extra rhythm guitar players. Most don't last that long. Most are in the band for about five years and then get kicked out or quit. They did have, at one point, a drummer named Laz Colbert. Uh, Anytime you're in a a UK band when you have a, a member with a Z in their first name, a Gaz, a, a Baz... <laughs> Right, Laws. right. That's always yeah. a good sign. That you, is. You always want to have one of those guys. You're in for some fun. So, and just for the people who don't know, this is their discography 1985, Psycho Candy, 1987, Darklands, 1989, Automatic, 1992, Honey's Dead, 1994, Stoned and Dethroned, 1998, Monkey, and 2017, Damage and Joy. Now, there are a bunch of EPs. Uh, singles that weren't released on actual albums and that sort of thing. So they do have a number of compilations, which are um, like Barbed Wire Kisses came out in 1988. The Sound of Speed came out in 1993. And a lot of that is com- contains um, non-album tracks. They, they have a lot of material that's just so, so, like like with the Smiths. The Smiths have entire albums of just singles that weren't released on albums they were just lone singles that they put out so there's a heck of a lot of material when it comes to jesus of mary chain to, to check out so this record jay now it's been mentioned uh this was their first on creation records their first five albums were all on blanco e negro was the name of the record label and there was disputes with the label about direction and what the band was doing because if you remember, Jay, the album before this, Stoned and Throned, 
was almost entirely acoustic was the one that featured the duet with hope sandoval like that record it was 17 or this record was 17 songs so between these two albums they they recorded 34 songs uh yeah that's a lot of i did the math there real quick that's a lot of drugs yeah Uh, (laughs) but the two records before that honey's dead and automatic are both 12 track albums completely totally you know respectable length so let's get into this record. I was pretty familiar with the singles because we played them at the radio station. I never got really into this record. Our uh, former bandmate and college radio uh, cohort and our longtime friend Keith Jenkins, he was the one who actually introduced me to this band with the Honey's Dead album. If people are familiar with that record, the single off that record, there was there was a couple. Far Out and Gone was one that got pay- played a lot in like 92, 93. And then, um, reverence was another single that got a lot of, sing- got a lot of play, but that's about it. Uh, there wasn't, uh, any massive singles on this record in terms of like doing well commercially. So, um, but it remains one of my, probably one of my favorite records of theirs or maybe my favorite. So Jay, since you're less familiar with this band, I'm going to ask you to go first and tell me, one thing you like about Monkey by the Jesus and Mary Chain. There's a simplicity here that I, I like a lot. Uh, they really uh, focus in on what works for rock music. Um, you know, they kind of go back to a Beach Boys kind of 60s uh, songwriting mm-hmm. style. And, and that's where they find a lot of their melodies. And it works well. I mean, when it works, it works well because, um, you know, there's a lot of really simple but effective melodies there's some and then they i think they bring it to the modern place with the little bit of the production but just the presentational overall so you take that formula that works so well and that the ramones used as well and then you add in some fuzz bass and some some pretty good layer guitars um and you know for the most part it, it works it reminds me of I think the band that came after them that I know better is, you know, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, and then you can do a lot but lyrically over top of that, you know, uh, you know, some of this stuff can get pretty dark. It can get a little, you know, humorous at times, but that consistent approach to songwriting and a style of songwriting kind of holds it together um, and in general makes it work. Now, the the downside of that is, you know, how do you do that and stay fresh? And I think that's where the the overall aesthetic and presentation comes in to, you know, keep it modern, keep it energetic, keep it edgy. So, yeah, I mean, I I was, I guess I was coming into this thinking it would be maybe a little too, I don't know, mundane or I don't, just not my, like I was, I I guess I wasn't expecting there to be much energy on the record. Thought of them as being more of a kind of downed down band. That's, you know, a little bit more like, Drony and repetitive and you know there's some i think uh, maybe a quarter of this record there's some really good up-tempo live band feel you know just rock and roll energy to it which i think is uh was a, a surprise for me i wasn't expecting to hear that
Yeah, and what I like about this record and what I like about the band in general is something that I was playing this record in the car for my wife, and she's really not familiar with the Jesus and Mary Chain. And I had it on, and I was just kind of playing the first verse and chorus of each song and skipping you know, track to track so she didn't have to sit through the whole record as we were driving, but just getting pieces of it. And we got through about the first you know, nine or ten songs, and she's like, I don't know that this is like the best music I've ever heard, but there's something really cool about it. Yeah. And I, I said, yeah, that's that's the thing I think that I respond to is that they are able to tap into what that like very early Beach Boys, like Surf and Safari, like that kind of like coolness, but combined with like this menace uh, with that fuzz that recalls like the Ramones and and even like Velvet Underground at sometimes and, you know, a lot of like 70s punk but with great melody and just keep it like simple but somehow with the combination of the vocal the way it's delivered and the very sort of elemental rock and roll riffing that's going on on a lot of this record that it just sounds cool like it sounds like a dude on like a a motorcycle with a black leather jacket and pair of ray-bans just like ripping down the road and I, I don't know. I don't know how to like quantify that. It's just like something you kind of get or you don't. But there's something just like cool yeah. about this band. It works really well when it's the right songs. So when you like hear, like "Degenerate" is a good one. It just has that like repetitive. It's not even that complex of a riff, but like yeah. you get the right tone, you get the right vocal delivery, and it just sounds like the biggest rock song and most yeah. badass rock songs that you could imagine. Well, that's the, the, what you're describing is the formula for cool, which I think we often forget, which is yeah. effort. Like, a uh, it just sounds, it should, it should sound effortless, right? Because I think by using those familiar progressions, chords, melodies, structures, it's not pretentious in any way, right? It's just, yeah authentic and then you put over top of it like you said you just you find the simplest path which is get your tone right you know but write a good basic song that's hooky get your tone right right get your delivery right and you're good to go like don't overthink the rest which comes off as cool you know so yeah and then when you take a like i mean uh song like mo tucker like that is such a rip of the ramones in some of the melody yeah, but it does. It kind of doesn't matter because <laughs> they're just like so confident in pre- presenting the song, and it's not. You know, they have um, uh, what's the I forgot the name of the. They have a guest vocalist on that track. Uh, Sister Vanilla is the uh, is the singer. She is the <laughs> Linda Reed, who's their little sister. Uh, so she doesn't have as good a vocal. Or no. as good a voice as, as Hope Sandoval. But, you know, I mean, you don't really need to. Now, she doesn't pull off the cool as well as Jim Reed does as far as being a vocalist. But it's really in the buzz, in the, in the um, fuzz tone of the, of the bass that carries the song. Walk before you, you got to 
Yeah, I think that song suffers because of that vocal. I I didn't. It it graded on me after a while. The limitation of it, you just wanna. And I don't usually. I think like every album we've ever reviewed where there's a female vocal, um, I feel like we've always said, "Hey, let the let the woman sing some more." (laughs) Like this, the tone sounds better. She sounds better. I think this is a case where uh, I did not want her singing anymore. Ah, okay, that's fair. It just was a it's just a weak vocal performance. Actually, first time I listened to it, I thought it was uh, I thought it was the guy doing a falsetto. I was like, that's a terrible falsetto. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do it again, like closer. I was like, oh, that's a woman. Okay. I I do think in the comments I, that the idea that this record you know, he mentioned a particular song. Um, I remember who it was. It was maybe Keith or. Yeah, he mentioned about Virtual Unreal does a decent job of recapturing old glory. I think this whole album is basically a summation of like almost every aspect of their career. I mean, mm. there's a couple of noisy tracks that kind of recall what Psycho Candy was with the constant feedback on that record. And then there are some songs that have the drum loops that they used exclusively on automatic. And then they got away from that and they, you know, did it was not solely drum loops, but it was very rigid on Honey's Dead and doing these like very concise pop songs. Um, And then they got into like the acoustic Americana sound of Stoned Stoned and Dethroned. And they pretty much cover all of that on this record. Like they hit every aspect of their career. And I wonder how many of these songs, I know that some of these were pulled from an EP that they did after Stoned and Dethroned and they just re-recorded them. And I'm wondering like if these were leftover songs from throughout their career or if they actually wrote all of this stuff because it's a really schizophrenic record in, in that sense. There's there's just like not a lot of logic to it, I guess I would say. Yeah. Like you think you're going you think you're getting this like heavy rock record and then there's like weird like I'm thinking of like um is it commercial? Perfume. Well, perfume is one. And then commercial, yeah, that's very strange. And so you're just like, okay, well, what, what? Yeah. What was the what was the thought process behind this record, other than making a big experimental, you know? Well, go ahead. Well, I just did they mean to make a record that encapsulated their whole career, or was it just happened that way? I don't know what I don't know yeah. what the logic is. Yeah. So. Let's get into the stuff I didn't like. Okay. Uh, I felt like up until track through track five, you know, even though I don't like Mo Tucker, uh, a vocal performance, I think the song is fine. And I think it fits the first, uh, I guess it would be third of the record. Um, then you get to perfume and mm-hmm. you hear these strange orchestra keyboard <laughs> hits yeah. and a drum machine. And it's not – there's sounds you haven't heard. I mean you're five songs in you know, you're in, uh, and you hadn't heard any of these tones yet. And the production is different. Fight. Fight. 
And then you get into virtually Unreal, which is this pulsing bass synth thing with a drum machine. So you're, you're two tracks in at the, now in a whole other direction, which they gave you no clue. I mean, I don't know the what the band, you know what I mean? I don't know the back catalog. So like I'm virtually just Unreal the first like, time. sounds like off of automatic. Like that's what the yeah. album sounds some of the songs are like the, the that drum loop is going at like 200 beats per minute, and then some of them are like that. But that's but that's what that record sounds like. So I'm I don't know what to make of the record at that point. I'm too now I'm too now I'm headed in this completely other direction of this experimental like dance music. <laughs> um, and then we come back again with Degenerate, which is like okay, that's this is like the beginning of the record, the first five songs. Um, with that black rebel motorcycle club kind of feel. Um, and then we go back again with commercial, which is, it's kind of a band, I guess, but it's run through this modulated yeah. effect that you know, by the time you get to the, I mean, it really a couple minutes into it, which I think it's what a seven minute song. Yeah. You're a couple minutes into it. It's just like buzz bees buzzing in your head and swirling everywhere. Like, I don't know how you could, like focus on that song, actually focus through the whole seven minutes and make it through uh, without going insane. then we come back and it, it, it takes a more traditional turn again with super tramp um a little bit of a Beatles sound never understood is a an acoustic song yeah very sounds a little bit like throned. sounds a little rolling stonesy so it doesn't sound like an experimental record it just sounds like a record of a bunch of songs they had um right. it doesn't it's not coherent in any way and mm-hmm. It, even in the, even in a way where you could say that yes, they're trying to be experimental and explore different things. It doesn't even sound that way. It just sounds like, well, these are the songs that we have right now, and we should put them together in some sort of sequence and release it. And some of it makes sense, and some of it does not. No, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. This is, it's kind of a mess. There's some beauty in this mess. There's some really great stuff. But then there's just some like absolute head scratchers with commercial and yeah, you said that perfume song with Hope Sandoval. It's funny because the the other song on on the previous record is like such a great um, male female ballad that when you see oh Hope Sandoval's on this record too, you're like oh I hope they do something like that or maybe she's on something more of a rocker this time. And, but it's like the, those weird like keyboard punches and. It's like, what the, f- <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what was going on with this record because, um, I mean, the concept of having the opening and the closing tracks, the I love rock and roll and I hate rock and roll, like done well, this could have been like a super tight, you know, 10, 11, 12 song record, but there's just so much like weird filler 
on this record. Yeah. And the back half really starts to drag for me. Well, one of the things about the format of these uh, the songs, which we talked about a lot, like this very, you know, traditional, classic, uh, let's say, pop rock and roll approach to the songwriting, uh, the, the, which also, to me, would is best served when those when it's done in a very concise, short manner. And and some of this stuff is in the ballpark of being about the right size, and then the other half of it is not. So, you know, it'd be like if the Ramones wrote, you know, four or five and six minute long songs. It right. just doesn't work as well. Like they work well because they're two and a half minutes. Yep. Um, so they fall into that, too, where it's there's nowhere left for these songs to go. And I found myself being engaged for the first verse, chorus, second verse, second chorus, and then finding myself drifting consistently throughout the record. So I had a hard time. I had a hard time paying attention to the record. It just became background music. Right. Which, which in a way, in a way it was even within a song, it would become background music, you know, where I'd be impressed up front and really excited about the song. And then halfway through it, I find myself like thinking about something else and not paying attention consistently song after song, after song, after song. So between the, between that and just the overall length and then this hodgepodge of material, it's a it's a head scratcher. Well, and and just for comparison's sake, their debut album, Psycho Candy, which is heralded as a classic, and I and I do like a lot of that record. It has probably my favorite Jesus and Mary Chain song overall on it, called "The Living End," which is the second track on the record. That it's fifteen, well, it's fourteen songs is the original version of it. It's only like thirty eight minutes. Because those songs, every single one of them is three minutes or less. Yeah. One of them, well, sorry, there's one four-minute-long song. But there's one song that's a minute 42, 216, 240, 247, 303, you know, 237, 226. That's where this band is, like, in their sweet spot, is, like, hitting those two-and-a-half, three-minute-long songs. You know, they get to the chorus so quick, you don't need them to be taking three, four, five minute, you know, or three minute songs are turning them into five minute long songs. Yeah. I mean, they're a band that's not, you're not listening to this for the, like the musicianship while they're competent and they do a good enough job presenting the songs. There's not like this level of musicianship where you can take a song and let it go a little longer because you're going to do something, you know, compelling from a performance standpoint. So there's just nothing left to do in the remaining two to five minutes on some of these songs. <laughs> We're just like, okay, I guess you just play this over and over again. Or maybe there'll be like a noisy guitar solo um, that we don't really need to have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, um, you know, when I was trying to figure out where this record would fit in my listing of where I'm ranking Jesus and Mary Chain records, you know, I'm I'm real familiar with Automatic and and Honey's Dead. Those are my two favorites. And I really like Psycho Candy, but I I get a little tired with it. Um I don't think it's quite as developed as it could be. Darklands is the one I know the least about. So then I look at like Stoned into Throne, which I really don't like that much of that record. I like a couple songs. And then the new one Damaged and Damage and Joy um 
I, I only listened to it like once or twice and I got pretty bored. It's a very mellow record compared to the prime stuff. So like basically the last like three records that they've done, which is damage of joy monkey and stone to the throne are the three that I would put at the bottom of their discography. And I, I guess monkey would come out on top only because there's enough of the up tempo stuff. So I guess it'd be in the five spot for them. I don't need to, I need to spend more time with darklands, but um, it's just, it's, I don't know. There's just too much, all over the place, not enough focus and and uh, not enough editing. You know, they're their own producers, which is part mm-hmm. of the problem. Yeah. So, yeah. I they they don't get along well with others. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, they don't get along with each other, so I don't know how they would anybody would expect them to get along with a producer. Gotcha. gotcha. You know, I, I get the same. I get the feeling it's it's a similar. Like, like nobody produces Greg Dooley. He's got his sound. He does what he does. Well, not anymore. Somebody did at some point. Uh, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, if, if you go back and look at like gentlemen or congregation, I don't know who was producing those records. I could tell you in like two seconds, but how would we ever find that out? I'm going to check the, uh, thing called the internet. Careful. And no, Greg Dooley produced, gentlemen really i didn't know that huh yeah i don't i don't know that they've ever had an outside producer and you know john Curley owned a studio so he would act as their engineer now it says on congregation it was co-produced by a guy named ross ian stein i don't i don't know who that is and there's no producer listed for up in it which makes sense because it doesn't sound like anybody produced that record (laughs) but yeah basically greg dooley's been the producer and and john Curley's been the engineer for the whole mm-hmm. time. So that makes sense because they have a particular sound that is him. Uh-huh. So in the same way with the Reed brothers, that's their sound. They know how to make it happen. But I guess it would be like if there were two Greg Dooley's. Yes, imagine two Greg Dooley's <laughs> related to each other who often punch each other in the face. Right. It'd be like that. Yeah. There you go. Um <laughs> let's uh let's so uh, just so you know there were two singles cracking up and i hate rock and roll were the two singles they both did like college radio okay but not anything on the mainstream radio it was considered a commercial failure because i think that that hope sandoval song from stone to the throne actually did pretty well and there was a video for it that got played on mtv so this was by all accounts a letdown of a record Let's give our overall ratings on this record, Jay. Worthy album, better EP, or decent single? (laughs) This is tough. Better 10-song album. Yeah. I mean, what is that? It is not a 17-song album. There's no no way in hell. No, All right. Let let me go to my notes here. Let me give give you a count. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes, I have 10 songs that I like. So that's not an EP. No. So You're, I guess it's a worthy album. You just got to you got to skip. Yeah. Um skip commercial, skip unfortunately perfume. Uh you're right about Mo Tucker. That's a it's a pretty 
subpar song compared to what the really good songs are on this record. I mean, I think you can skip, I don't know, a lot of stuff on the back half I found. It's kind of middling, mid-tempo, like Man on the Moon or Slow. Uh, yeah, and, and some and of the, like, like they, us. they hit the same sort of sounds. Like Never yeah. Understood and Man on the Moon are like two halves of the same song. Yeah, and I think some of the material on the second half of the record, like the, the Never Understood, Man on the Moon, especially Dream Lover. Uh, I think if he was a better singer, those songs would be. They, they, especially Dream Lover calls, I think, for a better vocal performance than he can deliver. Yeah. Um, well, he needs and, to stay low and he yeah. tries to sing up high. Yeah. Um, so some of that stuff, it, you can appreciate for the song, but it's limited by his abilities, the vocal, the singer's abilities. So I, I guess I'm under worthy album as a top one. Yeah, I'm there with you. About 10 songs, but it's a worthy 10-song record, not a worthy 17-song record. So you can cut <laughs> roughly 45% of this album and or, or 40% of this record and still make a good record. Yeah, it's an hour and 10 minutes. So yeah, <laughs> you cut that in half and you're at a, an appropriate 40-minute record. There you go. Uh, you can find our appropriate version of the Jesus Mary Chain Monkey album uh, on Spotify. By the time this, I will make a special playlist that is the actual what this should be mm. as opposed to what was actually produced. You can also check out, in case you didn't know, we put up a lot of Spotify playlists for various roundtables that we do, including we'll be doing a roundtable on drummers of the 90s. And that'll be fun. And there will be a roundtable with all the songs that we mention and that have awesome drum performances that we want to highlight. So you mean a sure playlist? In a playlist. You said a roundtable. Well, it'll be via the roundtable. Yep. And, and any of the uh, folks who are on that roundtable, not saying who yet, but they, when they mention the song, I'll put a, you know, make a note and then put it into the playlist and you'll be able to get to that playlist via digmeoutpodcast.com. Uh, we link to our Spotify playlists that way. Also, Jay just put up a suggestion box for folks who want to suggest an album. You just you know put the name of the album in there, the artist, give us a little note why you're picking that record. And then uh, we're going to throw it into a hopper with uh, other records and we're going to let our Patreon patrons vote on it. Yeah. We, uh, hey, quick pro tip, uh, do a search on the site before you submit something. We yeah. found a couple in here we've already done. So, uh, and we're just going to make fun but, of you if you do that. Yeah. But some good stuff. A lot mm-hmm. of bands in here, uh, that I've been wanting to review like bad religion. That's a no, no brainer. Uh, Verbena, I think that's a band that we've talked about in the past. We saw them. Uh, Brad, shame. How have we not done that record? I know we've done some Sean Smith stuff, but not that. Well, that's yeah. The, that's the record I discovered him on. Yeah. Um, Edna Swap, which is uh, another interesting band that we could talk about. So mm-hmm. they will have to go fight it out on Patreon, though. We're going to take these and uh, put them up, up there and see what the patrons want. So if you want to have a say... For just a dollar a month, I mean, come on, a dollar. Think about yeah. how much you spend, other things you spend a dollar on. 
you get to vote on these records um, and anybody can submit. So um, it's a potentially if you find something other people want to hear, it might be a quick way to get a record you want to hear reviewed, reviewed without having to wait 12 months. Let's be honest, Jay. There's nothing that you can buy for simply a dollar a month. <laughs> this is true. I mean, you can buy you can buy 100 pennies a month. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what what subscription service is coming in at a buck a month. That's uh, providing this level of content, Jay. <laughs> That's uh, quite a sell. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I I'm a natural salesman. Um, if you like what you heard on this podcast, folks, uh, iTunes, we'd greatly appreciate your uh, uh, love and appreciation at, uh, you know, just leave us some positive words, click those stars for us, uh, help get the exposure for the podcast and patreon.com forward slash dig me out. That's where you go to join us at Patreon. And that's it for Jay. I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out. Thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.